0: i'm so much more comfortable collecting real estate than i am collecting other stuff
1: this is collecting real estate episode 13 we're here to discuss bill hamill's property number 15 my name is stephen purse and i'm here with my co-host bill hamill
0: Thanks, Steven. Yeah, we are collecting real estate at this point in the career, so we're certainly getting momentum, seriously becoming players in this market.
1: Now, I have 263 Western Ave as this address.
0: Yeah, that was a three-unit Pine Hill student area of Albany.
1: And this is your first three-unit purchase, correct?
0: Yeah, was a three-unit. We were excited about this one, at least... uh, you know, I was initially, um, it was, uh, an interesting ride from beginning to end here.
1: What made it interesting?
0: It was a auction property at the County Courthouse steps. So I had anticipated this purchase because the legal notice hits the, uh, newspaper, local newspaper in, in Albany. And uh, I, I researched it pretty well. I was familiar with the area, drove by the house, was actually able to uh, sneak around back, you know, the the back doors were, you know, open and I was able to, you know, make my way inside and uh, sneak a peek of this property before the auction.
1: So you had your eyes on it for a while before the auction even happened.
0: Yeah. They're advertised about 30 days in advance. I I believe that's the, uh, you know, the legal parameters, you know, for a, a foreclosure in New York. So, uh, you know, I was ready for this auction.
1: What was the auction process like?
0: Auction process was, was what I was hoping, hoping because, uh, you know, I went and no one was there other than me.
1: And so you have no idea beforehand, whether it's going to be a crowded doorstep that morning, or if no one will be there. Right. Correct. You just never know. And uh, I had done some
0: research and uh, made sure that uh, I was looking at a property that uh, was free of, uh, you know, liens, encumbrances, uh, different things that you have to, you know, be aware of when you're, you know, you're buying something like this at an
1: auction. Do you remember how long after your previous purchase this one was?
0: It was shortly after we're we're really building some momentum at this point. So you know we're talking 2001, 2002, and I was uh, I, I was now aggressively searching for the for the next deal.
1: A lot of our last discussion was centered around partnerships. You've had two partnerships in real estate: one with your brother Mike, one with your high school friend Greg, and then that short-lived partnership with your other high school friend Justin. How did this one work out? Was it a solo venture, joint venture? What'd you do?
0: This one I I purchased at the auction. No one showed up. It was very exciting because it it went for what I was hoping, you know, in the legal notice. It had a judgment amount of, uh, you know, like forty three thousand dollars. And uh, that was a a steal in the market based on uh, what I what I saw when I was able to, you know, peek at the property. And I was the winning bidder at 43,000. And what I attempted to do um, initially for about a week, you know, because you have 30 days to close after you went at the auction. So I knew I had uh, some margin on this property, and uh, I was uh, enjoying, you know, uh, making some money on properties. Where, uh, yeah, we were collecting real estate, building a portfolio. But there's certainly attraction to, uh, you know, buying something for forty-three thousand, and then I'm reaching out to uh, peers in 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 the market, uh, investors that I I was able to build relationships with. And at that point, I'm, I'm trying to, you know, wholesale this thing for 60 grand, hope, hoping that I could, uh, you know, make, uh, you know, 15, $16,000 in, in a few weeks.
1: Is that what ended up happening?
0: No, you know, I, I I reached out to a couple of people and, uh, you know, it was interesting. They, uh, you know, you know, I received uh, an offer from one where, you know he's he's looking to get it for under fifty, and uh, that didn't work for me. Um, you know specifically knowing that you know uh, I could do the value add on this property and and it would work out great. Building up, putting it in the portfolio,
1: especially being in the neighborhood that you're mostly focused on, how much work did this one need?
0: It needed substantial work. It was uh, student rental. I, I don't even actually. I don't think that the previous owner used it as a student rental. You know, he did uh, a lot of uh, bad work. And I think he had some just undesirable tenants that uh, neglected the units. And ultimately, uh, you know, he was a a landlord that uh, was not successful and ended up losing this property.
1: Was this another one that you worked on yourself?
0: Yeah, this was... I ended up getting a neighborhood guy to help me out. This is where I was really starting to see the, uh, you know, the, the beauty of getting a little bit of help because, you know, because, uh, you know the, this work was getting a, a bit burdensome to, you know, handle on my own during the day. You know, there was a, a gentleman around the neighborhood that uh, was willing to uh, put in some, some uh, labor, you know, he was more of just a, a laborer, didn't have much skill, but, you know, the work that had to be done, I was able to utilize his, uh, you know, I guess his brute strength. So, you know, uh, we, had, we had to go top, top to bottom. You know, I'm still in that mode of, okay, what do we have to do, you know, to get this rentable? So we have a, a, a decent product for, you know, the tenants that we were going to be shooting for. So it went from you know, top to bottom, patching, same old thing, patching walls, getting them painted, you know, hardwood floors throughout the entire building. And, uh, you know, it it was a little bit of a finesse job, so to speak, trying to fix a lot of the bad work um, instead of tearing out all of the bad work that was previously done you know, so so that was that was a challenge.
1: How long did the entire process take?
0: It was probably a 60-day, maybe 75-day rehab, you know, could even have been up to 90 days. It was it was three units. You're looking at uh, you know, probably a thousand square feet each unit, three bedrooms, one bath, flats. So it, you know, it was uh filled with stuff from the the previous tenants. So you're able to you know see the recent history of the tenancy so you know it's a full clean out and uh you know getting right to work
1: was this another construction rehab loan
0: this one was not i think i bought this cash and uh we we financed the the construction you know similar to how we did it in the past where we were uh you know just running credit cards maybe doing some cash advances, financing uh, the rest of the rehab, you know, knowing that um, six months or so down the road, we'd just be refinancing into a, a conventional product and uh, cashing out. I think on this one, we were able to, uh, you know, cash out to the point where we, we, we paid off everything that we were into. And, and then we're able to put, you know, probably 20, 30,000 in our pocket.
1: Do you remember what it refinanced for? approximately?
0: Oh, geez. I think it, it probably, it was easy. It was an easy one to get that result we wanted, you know, probably, you know, 120, $130,000 um, value on, on the appraisal. So, you know, uh, if we're interested in getting 70, 80% loan to value, it, it, it paid for the purchase plus the rehab. And uh, like I said, uh, you know, some extra cash in our pocket, Um, because, you know, it's still cash flowed. We were able to, uh, you know, forecast, you know, $900 a rent per apartment. So the, the rents more than covered
1: all of those expenses. So when you initially purchased this, you were, you had the mindset of, let me see if I can wholesale it, get some quick cash, 10, 15 grand. That'd be great in a couple of weeks. Instead, you put in the time to put in work, a little sweat equity, and you ended up refinancing it get even more cash in your pocket. And now you can tuck this away in your portfolio as a three unit in the neighborhood that you're already working in. Is that what happened? Yeah,
0: just goes to show you that, you know, buying and, and going through the process is is always more profitable. But, you know, at the same time, seeing the value of, you know, making a quick 15 grand in a few weeks, you know, certainly has some benefit. But, um, you know, it, it, it's it's always you know, I guess a, a breath of fresh air going through the process and benefiting so much more, um, on, you know, getting that, um, you know, property in the portfolio and really benefiting from, from holding and, and, and renting the property.
1: And once it was in the portfolio and you had improved tenants in there, everything ran smoothly, correct?
0: Yeah. Well, no, <laughs> no, absolutely not. Um, this property ended up getting sold probably two years later, but um, you know that this was this was a turning point for mine and Greg's partnership. He he was working at the uh, Clifton Park Water Authority during the day, you know, so he had that W two job up till now, and I was uh, now in a position where you know I was really getting some deal flow, getting some momentum um, in in this business, and. I think I was just growing tired of of, uh, really driving that daily work, you know, with this with these heavy lifts by myself. So at that point, you know, I did have that discussion with Greg saying, hey, I I think it's time if if we're going to continue moving forward on uh, these uh, properties and, and building this portfolio together. You know, I I think you'd need to strongly consider leaving that W two so
1: so I can get some uh, added help. Is that what happened now that you have that's, 15 properties over, over 30 units?
0: That's what happened. You know, he made that big decision, which I appreciate. You know, it's it's always, you know, as as we discuss this and and you know, uh the you know, the the group that I'm involved in now, which is you know, a lot of like-minded people within that that Jake and Gino group, and it's and it's one of those mean main focal points with so many, um, you know, probably 80% of the people, if not more have W2s. And, and the ultimate goal at some point is to be able to leave that W2, do real estate full time. And, and ultimately, uh, you know, when, when you reach that point, you're able to have that time freedom from being a, a real estate entrepreneur.
1: Is there anything you can suggest to someone that is looking to leave that W-2? Is there a certain step that it takes or a certain mindset or anything, any advice you can give to someone that wants to make that leap?
0: Yeah, it's just getting the, the confidence, the courage to do it. You know, that, you know, I, I took too long personally, you know, I, I, I had that W-2 you know, up until, uh, you know, I was uh, about 30 years old and, and I could have done it much sooner. But it, it's just that that safety net, almost that that insurance policy of, of uh, you know, still having that fear, you know, which is which is our worst enemy in anything in life. Um, and, and that W-2 is just holding you back if you know that you're confident moving forward. You know, with the success and the momentum that you're building in, in the business, you know, it's uh, you know, just just do it. You know, it's it's just uh, you know, manning up, get rid of the W-2 and plow forward with what you're doing.
1: Do you think a big part of the concern is they wanna get the freedom through real estate? So in order to do that, you have to build a real estate portfolio. But in order to build the portfolio, you need loans to purchase these homes and the lenders wanna see that W-2 income.
0: Yeah, that's that's the challenge. So a a lot of this, too, is, you know, gaining uh, more and more knowledge, education in the business and seeing, you know, the, you know, the huge benefit to that W-2 to qualify for residential loans, you know. So as you educate yourself a little bit more and you're building your business, building your portfolio, you know, you start seeing the benefit of, you know, putting your properties in LLCs. You know, and, and then considering getting into commercial style mortgages, even if you own, you know, a lot of residential properties. I, I think this is when the mindset started thinking, where, okay, let's start an LLC, you know, for a variety of reasons. And, you know, we were, were able to start considering grouping a lot of our residential properties, you know, together in blanket mortgages, creating an LLC and, uh, you know, doing everything commercially. So at that point, the W-2 isn't so significant, because when you're qualifying for, you know, commercial style mortgages, you know, the, the bank is more focusing on the um, properties, uh, how the properties are performing, not so much on the individual
1: so at that point, you go from being an employee to a business owner as you have your properties in LLCs.
0: Yeah, it, we might not have done it right at this point, but but I, I think we're start. I'm starting to see that. I'm starting to see different things that are possible as we continue to learn. You know, so it may not have been. Uh, I I probably did. I wasn't. I didn't leave my W two yet at this point either. I just had the 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 ability to work during the day. Because my W two was was waiting tables at night, so you know I you know I just worked a lot, so uh, you know I had the time freedom of working all day and working all night. Where you know Greg had a different, you know he had that seven to four, and you know even though he did work at night, it's it's you know he would get there five o'clock, work till about seven, so. You know, it it just wasn't the same as far as, you know, just getting the the, the same production, you know, from uh, what I was able to put into it in relation to, uh, you know, what he was based on, you know, his
1: W2 schedule. Yeah, very different when you know you have to be back at your desk in 12 hours.
0: Yeah, it's tough. It's tough to get a lot done in this business, you know, unless you, it, it, you've you got to set yourself up during the day to be able to work and work a, a seven or eight hour shift, you know, because it, you know, it takes a little bit to get going. It takes a little bit to wind down. So if you're going there for two or three hours, you know, you're, you're not getting, you know, a, a lot of production done, you know, you, you have two or three hours to work. And uh, you know, you're, you're taking 20 minutes to get going, you know, you're wrapping up for 10 or 15 minutes at the end. And you know, so you do the math and you're you're really only getting an hour and a half of production, which 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 isn't super productive.
1: Absolutely. Is there anything that this property uh stuck with you and you really learned from?
0: Um yeah, it's it it's don't do horrible work. You know, that that's what we learned from, you know, the previous guy. It was it was hideous. Some of the work that he was doing, um, you know, sheetrock, hanging sheetrock where there, there was just no quality control at all. And, and, you know, don't get me wrong. We were still learning, you know, the, the quality part of the business ourselves. But, you know, boy, were we fixing a lot of bad work. And, um, you know, that, that, that really set in on, on how important it is to, you know, to, to, you know to, to be as artful as possible with that work. And, uh, you know, I think realizing, um, you know, making that big jump, that's all I, I'm really focused on right now is just me and Greg now just jumping in almost full time and saying, okay, you know, this is it you know, this is what we're doing. You know, we're now real estate professionals, we're real estate investors. This is what we're going to do going forward. So it's, you know, that that's now first. And the, the, those W-2s are are, are close to, uh, you know, uh, being history. Um, also on this property, this was, this was right in the middle of of the prime student area. So, you know that was our target market. We were really going to dive into that 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 student demographic, and uh, you know, boy, did we uh, you know uh, we, we learned a lot there.
1: I think the W two transition can be the the focal point of the episode because that's so important for any entrepreneur, whether it's real estate or any other field, having the confidence to take that leap and and understanding when is the right time to do it.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and and uh, there was also some. You know, uh, you know, some interesting dynamics to that rehab, you know, just, just interesting stories. You know, this was, um, I think it was probably, you know, the, the, maybe the third or fourth hardwood floor project I had done. And, you know, so that this, this, and, and also, a, you know, a paint job on a, on a high level where, you know, I'm now trying to get major production out of both um, trades and, you know, doing it, you know, with, with still the same labor resources that we had been doing. So at that point, it's, you know, patching all the walls throughout a, you know, 3,500 square foot building all at once, and then going back and painting all at once. So at that point, we you know, either purchased or rented a paint sprayer, you know, so now we're looking to really get the paint job done in a short period of time. And then when we were doing the hardwood floor refinishing, there was there was a lot of hardwood floors to, to sand down, including the common areas. And, uh, you know, I was just starting to kind of get my, build my skills in, in that category, but man, that, that that's, that's guerrilla work. Um, so, you know, at that point that, you know, that wasn't a concern for me. I was up for the challenge, but it was, you know, I, I'm moving fast at this point in, in, in the, the fun part of this one. Well, kind of dangerous, fun, whatever. When you're when you're sanding hardwood floors, you know, you're, you're emptying your bags of sawdust, you know, fairly regularly when you're really, uh, you know, you know, doing a lot of work in a short period of time. So I, I have a garbage can out front of the building and when I fill up a bag of, of uh, you know, uh, sand, you know, I'm loading it in the garbage can not realizing that how hot this sand is, mm-hmm. you know, so as I'm loading and loading and loading over a several hour period of time. Next thing you know, we have a neighbor running in the house at like, I'm working late at night at this point, six, seven o'clock at night, because I have a garbage can that is literally on fire in front of the house. You know, so it's, you know, putting the fire out and realizing, wow, I guess I can't do that. You know, I I have to let my, you know, my sawdust debris cool down a bit before I continue to load it into a garbage can with, with construction debris into it. You know, so that was that was an interesting learning experience.
1: Now, that's a great piece of information from someone to learn. from. <laughs> learn from Learn yeah, I, I,
0: I never did that again. So I, at that point, you're you know, you're controlling, uh, you know, that material a, a little bit better, you know, mm-hmm. as you as you continue to do the style work.
1: But while all this work is going on, no one's looking for the next deal. No one is making cold calls, running mail campaigns and looking for that next deal to grow the business.
0: No, towards the tail end of this one, it was either at the tail end of the, I think it was right at the tail end of the rehab when we were we were getting, we were probably 80, 90% done. You know, we're really starting to see, you know, who we're going to be renting to. And and uh, you know, the next deal did hit the MLS. And fortunately at this period of time, you know, that that deal was sitting on the MLS. It was a multifamily that that we hadn't um, gotten into yet, but. You know, it looked very interesting to me, um, you know, but I didn't dive right into it. But fortunately, it hung around long enough to where, you know, that did end up being our next purchase. But, um, you know, this one got very interesting on the rental side where we were able to have some success getting uh, uh, student tenants in there. But, um, you know, we, we, we did sell this probably a year, year and a half later, you know, due to, you know, that, that style tenant, uh, you know, did not work
1: for me and Greg. That was the the student.
0: Yeah, that was a third floor student. It it was, you know, I'll never forget this. You know, I have had, you know, in 27 years, I've, I've probably had three situations where, um, I don't know if anybody else deals with this or if it was just me and my, my, the way I was early in my life being so reactive and not being able to control my emotions, which is a whole nother story for another day on, on, on just uh, personal development and be able to uh, really control yourself in certain situations. You know, so you're, you know, we have a tenant who, you know, they're in a fraternity, they're living on the third floor, they're late on rent, you know, you're showing up to, uh, you know, collect rent, see what's going on. And, you know, they could care or less, they were there to party. So you're, you're walking into kegs, you're walking into holes in walls, um, to the point where, you know, the rubber met the road when, you know, I'm aggressively knocking on a door looking for rent, seeing an absolute disaster of an apartment and i got this this uh guy at this point i'm 28 29 you know uh you know confident in my you know what i'm able how i'm able to control myself anyway or handle myself not emotionally but uh you know so i have this this student who is basically saying what's your problem you know yeah i owe you rent and we're we're partying but you know what are you going to do about it type thing so that went horribly wrong, um, you know, so now it's, it's landlord and a tenant in a very, very confrontational situation. You know, I, I won't elaborate any further on that, but uh, at that point I was, uh, you know, uh, very anxious to uh, put that property on the market, make some good money and move on to, uh, you know, some more stable properties.
1: So how would you have handled that situation differently looking back at it?
0: Oh, geez. I, I, I learned as, as I got into my late 20s, early 30s, you know, where, where now I'm starting to get into, uh, you know, reflecting on, you know, on me, you know, getting into some personal development type stuff and then realizing how important it is to, you know, control your emotions, not being so reactive, being professional, you know, uh, not feeding into Uh, bad situations or confrontational situations. The, the intent at, at, you know, at that point, you know, 20 years ago to today is, is basically how can I defuse this situation, bring it from confrontational down to, you know, a, you know, a, a stable situation where, where it's professional. Um, I, I learned and, and I, I really described this to, to so many young landlords coming up now to where it is staying as professional as you possibly can, um, you know, in any business situation, any life situation, because nobody benefits when, when you, when you get when you're feeding into confrontational emotions.
1: Absolutely. It's a business. It's not personal
0: and, and, and it's not healthy. It's, it's not good for you. It's not, you know, it's not a habit that, that, that's good. It's, it's embarrassing. It's, it's just not, you know, the way that anybody should, should conduct themselves. And, um, no, it's, it's stay professional and, and, you know, uh, you know, be as, as even keeled as possible and, and, uh, boy, are you going to be better off.
1: I completely agree. I think it's a good place to leave it. I'm looking forward to hearing about the next property. Awesome. Thanks, Bill. Thanks,
0: Steve.